Hello, I'm Anna Bogutskaya. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is The Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, the Angel of Death descends onto Brycliff and Kit attempts to reunite with Grace. Okay, so I'm really pumped to talk about the Angel of Death. Can we talk about the Angel of Death? <laughs> yeah, should we just, just jump? This is just the Angel of Death episode, so we might as well yes. just jump into it. Pretty much. What do you make of her? Although, actually, what do you make of them? I don't think we, I don't think it's like a gendered Angel of Death. True. Or no, or... Yeah. I guess not gendered. I was trying to think if they ever cousin. They just say cousin. That's a non-gendered yeah. word. <laughs> non-gendered cousin. Um, I love the angel of death. Like, is everything you want to be? Glamour. <laughs> Almighty power. <laughs> <laughs> bit creepy to see be around it's everything everything great lipstick game great hat big giant black wings <laughs> truly truly an aspirational angel yeah yeah i love the angel of death and the fact that i like the fact that the angel of death is just this like immortal being but yeah. they decided to be like look i'm gonna look like francis conroy I'm going to be dressed in a glamorous, like, 50s funeral garb <laughs> um, with a little veil. And that's just, like, how I'm going to rock it in 1964. Like, I, I don't know if the Angel of Death had, like, different looks throughout history. Or is this just how the Angel of Death has always looked? I am not a, a scholar, but in my mind and in my heart, I choose to believe that this is how the Angel of Death has always looked throughout history. Always Francis Conroy. Always fabulous yeah. goth hot couture and great red lipstick. Just flawlessly I applied. I imagine. <laughs> Incredibly confusing in the medieval period. <laughs> you're on your deathbed and you're like, this woman, she is wearing I'm, uh, a tiniest... I can't do medieval. They'd be like, this woman's wearing a tiny skirt. Ah, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen, and I'm on the brink of death. What's happening? Listen, like priorities. If you're in your deathbed, you probably maybe won't be worrying about, um, you know, anachronistic outfits so much. I don't know. I'm assuming. I feel like I feel like in the medieval period that would have blown their minds. <laughs> maybe that's why they seeing died. a woman's ankle. That's the last thing you see on earth. A woman's ankle. The audacity of an ankle. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> every medieval man would have just like, every medieval straight man would have died just incredibly horny. They would have just explo <laughs> exploded in the arousal. You're like, oh my God. Just exploded straight. The, the straight of men of the medieval period. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, death by boner, I guess, in the medieval times. Yeah, sorry, that's a. Real, this is nothing to do with the episode. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I it's our patented digressions into absurdity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, what we're saying, Angel of Death, pretty cool. We stand. Yes, we stand. But also interesting that her presence, sorry, that their presence spooks Sister Satan, because there's this there's this really interesting scene where an inmate of Barcliff is sort of working in the kitchen and he really, well, he decides to put his hands in the meat slicer and hurts himself and then sort of unknowingly writes the name of the angel of death, the real name in ancient Aramaic on the wall. And when Sister Satan sees this, she's totally spooked and they have an encounter where... You know, it's a very kind of um, family reunion vibe of, you know, you're the you're the black sheep of the family cousin. Well, that that's the thing is the angel of death may look incredibly gothy and creepy, but still an angel. And I'm presuming we're going with the traditional Satan backstory that Satan is mm-hmm. a fallen angel mm-hmm. in this. And I guess that's that, that, that like the only beings that would ever have some sort of power over satan or at least unsettle satan to any degree would be the other angels or god i guess wherever they've been they've not really been around in this show have they (laughs) and also we get the total confirmation that sister satan is in fact the devil like she is satan true and not just like a lesser demon hmm when we first encounter the angel of death, it's because Grace is sort of on her deathbed. And they come back throughout the episode to several characters as they are either contemplating death or on the brink of death. And I found the way that they presented the angel of death really fascinating because they have to let them in. They have to sort of accept death in order to get it. Which seems like a slightly weird concept. Do you think it's weird? Well, because if you just went, no, I'm good, would you just be immortal? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Right? Maybe. Every time the angel of death, you know, you have your 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 inside a crocodile. (laughs) The angel of death trying to give you the kiss of death and you're like, no, I'm good. No, I'll walk it off. I'll walk it off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is which is basically what Lana does throughout the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's got to be a point where the angel of death just goes, "Look, no, <laughs> no, no, no. There's no saying no this time. You're dying. Like you've had enough. You've had enough chances. This is it. I'm sorry." Hmm. Let's move on to Lana and Bloody Face because. It's it's much darker, but also there's a lot of stuff happening. So when we left Lana, she bloody face sort of is sucking on her breast and thinking that she is his mother. This now escalates to full on rape. And then he decides that he needs to kill her because he's not happy about the fact that he raped her. And is this I guess it's for Lana it's kind of oh god the sun feeling of like there's no way out this was always going to be the inevitable mm. ending is 
she wasn't gonna survive this. Yeah. Except that but she does, because she... she escapes. So, but in, in the moment. Yeah, and there was something that you said in the last episode, I think, that really plays into this one, which is that one of her her defining characteristic is that she survives. And there's so many instances here where she is, you know, on the brink of giving up and that sort of manifests itself with the angel of death appearing to her. But she, she does go like, no, now's not the time. No. And I I keep, I can keep going once she sees them, which I found really, really oddly poetic in these, in the extreme circumstances that she's put through. Yeah. Cause it's sort of a, that the appearance of the angel of death and that scene to me is less about it's kind of less about death and and more about her just like giving up if that makes sense because she's sort of not in a situation where she's you know about to be stabbed like she's about to be killed she's Mm. just like suddenly having to sit with all of the trauma of what's just happened to her Mm. and and having this choice of like do I succumb to it or do I keep Mm -hmm. fighting? And, you know, because like, we know that this is integral to, to Lana's spirit is the, 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 the perpetual fighter that that is more of a sort of symbolic, I don't know. I feel like to me, it's so much more of a sort of symbolic meeting between the two of them of her Mm -hmm. to go, no, I'm not, I'm not going to, I will keep fighting to the very, very end. And what did you make of her escape from Bloody Face? And the way that she ends up back at Briarcliff? So essentially, kind of where she started. Well, I guess, like, yeah, it kind of comes back to, to what we were just talking about. I mean, it's it's just like the worst, grimmest luck that she could ever have. That hmm. she does manage she manages to get out she manages to escape um and she flags down the first car that she sees and you know out of all the people that picked her up it's this uh incredibly angry misogynistic man who starts ranting about how women are always a victim that's what you bitches do and find out Mm. that his wife cheated on him and and then he, he gets a, a gun and he shoots himself and then that causes a car accident and then um yeah she, boopity boop she's back in Briarcliff. Like it's just the most sort of like grim <laughs> grim set of circumstances and like hopeless and but then we just I guess we just know that she's gonna like she's gonna keep fighting because that's the ladder that we know is that in even in the face of like this most extreme set of circumstances, she's still gonna mm. she's still gonna push back. Like the the odds keeps getting stacked against her, and yet she'll continue plowing through. Back at Briarcliff, we haven't really talked about Grace, who almost dies in the first scene, and then it sort of continues to be very weakened and. Kit escapes from police custody and sort of makes his way back into Briarcliff. Again, logic, none. But, you know, he's a romantic, I guess. Oh, because I like... <laughs> I kind of like the situation in, in which he escapes because the his 
I guess it's his lawyer, right? Who's yeah. talking to him in their office and he says the lawyer basically tells him, you know, you're headed straight for the electric chair unless you can mm-hmm. convince everybody that you're not acting as yourself. And so Kit just goes, uh, and just grabs like a stapler and smashes him in the head. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, I like the kind of logic of like, oh, okay, I have to act crazy. Okay, cool, I'll kill you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I mean, that lawyer can't be bad. He took us, that was his advice to him and Kit just took the advice. I'm sorry that it didn't work out for you in the way that you wanted it to, but you know. Kit is such. Kit continues in the tradition of the hands of flop, where he just makes the worst possible decision in any situation. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's getting some real life advice that will affect his life and his trial. And he's like, oh, I kill you now. I guess that's that's the only thing. That's the only option. Okay, but in Kit's defense, he was just following the advice, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's that the thing that makes him a handsome flop is the fact that he goes from that advice and he takes it and he follows it. But somewhere along the line, he's like, well, the only way to follow this very sensible advice is to kill this person. Yeah, I mean, he could have just started talking about aliens again. I probably would have done the job without having to exactly. smash somebody over the head <laughs> with a stapler. But there we go. Uh, and that's why that's why we like it. But yeah. <laughs> Can I just add that his hair looks his hair looks really nice in this episode. That's it. I didn't have anything else to add to that. No, I I agree with you. It it is very, very good hair for Evan Peterson in this episode. Yeah. Just a nice haircut. It's sort of like a bit of a fifties like swoosh. Um that's it. Nothing else to add. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> just just a hair appreciation. Just had nice hair. While he was murdering <laughs> that guy. Anyways. Anyways. So when he gets back into Barcliff, um, there's a confrontation and Grace jumps in front of a bullet to save him. And so Grace dies. Will we miss Grace? <laughs> the silence is... is I mean... <laughs> um, so mean. Wouldn't, it's nothing against... It's, she's just kind of an underwritten character. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, she just came I'd and agree. like, oh, I'm French and I killed my family. Boop, I got shot. <laughs> I am dead now. Sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god, that that accent came out of nowhere and it is excellent. Oh my god. I think, yeah, she just didn't really do much and now she's dead. So. Yeah. Fine. C'est la vie. Literally. Oh, pas la vie. C'est la <laughs> One thing we haven't touched upon from this episode is the conversation between Sister Satan 
and Dr. Arden, she fully recalibrates the balance of power in that dynamic. What did you make of it? Yeah, I'm, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, not to be rooting, not to be rooting for actual Satan, but it was a good bit of um, feminist empowerment because he he slaps her and then she just full demon powers scoots him across the room and says you touch me again you will die and she says it in such a it's not even that aggressive it's just a matter of fact Mm. you touch me Mm -hmm. again you will die i love that yeah it's cool she fully reveals herself as the devil to arden and she's like she's got this great line where she's like i hope this clarifies the chain of command it's like don't think for a second that you are in charge here little man at all it's matriarchy matriarchy (laughs) now what it's actually like satanarchy satanarchy (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i guess it's not because is satan a dude is satan gendered satan is a dude i think oh so it's still kind of patriarchy but we love we love Sister Satan as a as a feminist embodiment of the devil. <laughs> what? This is feminist as the devil can be. It's Sister Satan. <laughs> True. So, is there anything that we haven't covered that happens in this episode? Get we get more Sister Jude. We don't get that much Sister Jude in the last episode, but in here, we see her basically suicidal and back on the booze and she goes to the home of the parents of the girl that she ran over which has been weighing her down with guilt since that happened and she's there to essentially confess to them but then Missy the little girl that she ran over turns out to actually be alive and that's a really tense scene. What did you think of it? You kind of have to imagine it from the from Missy's side or Missy's parents because she sees Missy's parents first and then Missy kind of walks in halfway through the scene. Mm-hmm. Like, hello, I'm just back from the hospital. Um, so, like, to, to imagine having this, like, completely distressed, um, unraveling woman come into your house and start rambling about your daughter... And the whole time they're like, mm. sorry, who are you again? Are you her, her teacher, her Sunday school teacher? Um, mm-hmm. And like this sort of idea that, oh, she's alive. So it's it's all good now. Sort of, I don't know. It's a bit, it's, it's an odd sort of revelation for her to have and her to process. I found the, the, the tension with the dad, especially really intense because you could tell that he sort of he could see through her lies and probably was connecting the dots in his head but it wasn't made explicit but I love I love an unraveling Jessica Lang she's so good when she plays those roles where she's kind of breaking down bit by bit and but desperately trying to keep herself together yeah yeah she's good at doing sort of like the the jangly nerve thing 
which is just sort mm. of like you can feel all the like little electrical sparks in her body going off mm-hmm. while she's trying to like put all this stuff like it's just like so many different emotions just kind of all mm-hmm. all circling around in her brain and she's trying to put everything together and it's the pieces it's like when you get different puzzle pieces and they don't quite mm-hmm. try to smush them together i feel like that's basically the inside of her brain in this episode that's such a nice way to put it but also i guess we should mention that the reason she's unraveling partially is because she uh the monsignor has just told her to leave like leave briarcliff we don't need you anymore um but only because this is part of the monsignor and dr arden's plan to to keep all the crimes undercover Mm-hmm. And and because Sister Jude is sort of onto them, uh, so that's like such a horrific betrayal for her, because she yeah. really thought that she could trust the Monsignor because of his his mm-hmm. handsome, finds family face. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he looks he looks so handsome and, and trustworthy, but no, no, no. She was blinded by her own horniness for him. Yep, and now she's having to learn the cold hard truth i think that pretty much wraps up all the plot threads of the episode oh i think there's one thing that i made a note of that i think potentially might be a plot hole it's the fact that when lana gets back to barcliff and she tells sister satan that threatstone was bloody face all along there's sort of like a little flashback to sister Satan thinking of Jed, the possessed boy who was possessed by Satan first, referring to Threatstone as Bloody Face yeah. during the exorcism. But then I was also thinking, but sh- that's that's you, Satan. Like that was you. So surely you should know who Threatstone is. You don't need Lana to convince you. You know, well, does wait, that make was sense? That not- the that was the point of the scene though that since she already knew but she was pretending that the information was new right you think she was pretending because she seemed like i don't i didn't read her as pretending that she didn't know that information oh i read it that she was doing that whole was it in friends are like that is brand new information to me <laughs> because that's why we have the flashback is to show us like Oh, like obviously, because Satan just knows everything, you know. Satan yeah. knows who all the serial killers are, so you don't need to tell Satan anything about anybody killing anybody. Because Satan's gonna be like, uh, "I know, I have literally like already set their room out in hell for them." So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I think it was sort of. But what what is new to Satan now is Satan knows that Lana knows. That was mm. the revelation. That is and a revelation, that... but I still think it was like a weird placement of a flashback. Because there were... I, I don't know, I think like it was weirdly directed where it was like Sister Satan was either pretending or maybe kind of Satan had forgotten about it, which I refuse to believe that Satan for- would forget about anything, <laughs> let alone a serial killer. <laughs> but yeah i don't know it was it was a very it was a strange scene it it felt weird yeah 
there's not that many flashbacks to bits from actual episodes in the season so far so it also felt like a very strange placement to something that is quite obvious I think that was maybe more the issue that it's quite clumsy because it's this sort of um because they don't trust the audience to remember that Satan would already know this information so they have to they have to put the mm. flashback in to be like remember when he said this to remind yeah. people so it's sort of like a clunky uh, a clunky narrative moment bit clunky yeah but yeah anyway are we ready to move on to our categories for the episode yes so what was your top quote are you um <laughs> <laughs> I think I think probably what mm, I'm torn. Well, because the I hope this clarifies the chain of command is amazing. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I'm gonna go for that. I hope this clarifies the chain of command. I I'm gonna go with bloody face again. A bloody face quote. <laughs> when he. <laughs> I just I lo I love Zachary Quinto so much. I love his performance in this. He's so fun. <laughs> he is really so good. when he comes back and he is like um he's decided to kill Lana, <laughs> but because they're pals by now, he's also like laying out the options to her. So I love his his quote of, "I can either cut your throat or I can strangle you. I don't believe in guns." <laughs> just like... And he's so like. I want to make like I want to make sure that you know that like I don't I don't believe in guns. So I yeah like you know I've got at this point standards and morals. It's fully too late for that information. <laughs> <laughs> I know I love it. I love it so much. I don't believe in guns. Be like oh, <laughs> let me get you an extra pillow before I cut your head off. <laughs> Oh, uh, he would be such a good murder butler. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, they should have. They should have um, got him in, hired him at hotel. Yeah, Sorry, that is a reference to a later season. But we know it's coming. There's going to be a a hotel, and there'll be probably murderers in it. I mean, this is HS after all. Mm hmm. Moving on to sad butt. We do get a sad butt in this episode, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, we do. It's Zachary Quinto. Yeah. I don't think he gets to deserves the title sad butt though. Oh. Okay. Cuz it's murder butt. It is. Yeah. I feel like sad the only people who get to be the sad butt are Evan Peters <laughs> and and Dylan McDermott. <laughs> they are the sad butts. And Patrick from that episode with the gay conversion therapy. Yes, that was a pretty sad butt. Okay, so there is a butt, but it is not sad because it's murderous. Yeah. Well, no, you. I. I'm saying for my choice, I abstain from the butt this. <laughs> I abstain <laughs> from butts this week. I think it makes sense. What about the MVP of the episode? I mean, this is another one where Satan's just winning, winning, winning. 
winning all the time. We love Satan. <laughs> in this in this context, not in general. Well, maybe also in general a little bit. <laughs> but like, you know, in the progressive feminist sense that I love Satan. I'm sorry, I just probably alienated a lot of people. Satan fully establishes the chain of command in this episode and we we have no choice but to stand. Angel of Death also winning, but like but they're just doing their day job, so you know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, they definitely win because they look incredible and they're Francis Con- played by Francis Conroy as well, who is incredible. But they're just doing their job. There's like no real agency. Yeah, after this they'll they'll go home, kick back with a beer. <laughs> Watch the game. <laughs> I think the angel of death is much more of a cocktail type of angel. True. Like they'll they'll fully make themselves a Negroni. Yeah, a Negroni in an episode of Mad Men. Yes, that is the vibe. <laughs> that is the vibe from the angel of death kind of post work <laughs> routine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then did you pick up on any insensitive historical references this week? So yes. Because one thing we haven't really talked about is that the angel of death is referred to as uh, Skechath, um, which is not a thing. <laughs> um, in ancient, well, they, they say the writing on the wall is Aramaic. Uh-huh. Um, yes. In ancient Hebrew, not Aramaic, Skechat mm-hmm. is one of the many names for the underworld. But the writing on the wall is actually misspelled <laughs> um, and says Skechach, oh. not Skechath. <gasps> so they're just, they just messed up on all fronts there. <laughs> so <laughs> congratulations, American Horror Story. None I of mean, that was right. <laughs> I think you should be crowned the MVP of the episode for picking all of that up. To be fair, I just read it on the Wikipedia, so <laughs> I'm not adding myself. I'm not, I'd be cool if I was like, well, actually, I am fluent in Aramaic, and <laughs> so no, that's not true. Uh, I just Googled it. What about cinematic references this week? I didn't really pick up on anything. Did you? I was trying to see whether the the look and the design of the Angel of Death in particular was perhaps a reference to a particular old Hollywood star or anything, but it's quite a generic kind of old Hollywoody type design. But I'm just going to say it's not a particular reference, but the scene where Lana runs out of the lair and stumbles onto the road and kind of throws herself on the first car that she sees is literally every final girl escaping from the killer in every slasher movie ever true yeah that's a good point this is like i know what you did last summer literally almost shot by shot for shot exactly the same uh in the texas chainsaw massacre like the the image of a bloodied woman escaping from a killer slayer and kind of that's kind of um trope as opposed to a reference I guess I we could bring up the very first scene. There's a bunch of nuns talking about a movie that they watched. And it's the 1963 film 
Lilies of the Field with Sydney Poitier, mm. which is about nuns. But I haven't seen it, so I can't. Yes. I don't. I don't know if I can really comment on the significance, but it does have nuns in it. <laughs> I think we've wrapped up the episode. So what can we expect from the next one? In the next episode, a murderous Santa wreaks havoc on Briarcliff. Which is the best summary ever for an episode. I kind of wait for this one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, played by like a really fun actor, right? If I remember correctly. Not to spoil yes. it. Yes. Murder Santa is so much fun. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of American Horror Story Asylum. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm on at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. Santa Claus is coming to town to murder you. <laughs> oh my god. I can I can I just request that um there might be an album at some point of just you doing impromptu <laughs> variations on popular songs. <laughs> I feel like by the time we get to AHS uh, 1984, I will maybe have sung a full album's worth of oh my God. parodies. I, I'm, I'm so into it. I'm so into it. Also, I just want to clarify, just to make sure that anyone listening just understands the sheer brilliance of Clarice, is that all of this is improvised. Oh yeah, I'm just like a jukebox of... I'm a living jukebox. <laughs> Murder songs. <laughs> <laughs>